Hi, welcome back everyone to the Manic Manor podcast. This is Mitchie, and for tonight's episode, I have a special guest with me. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, my name is Brian, and I'm actually from Korea. Um, I wasn't much young, I wasn't much, I mean, I wasn't much old uh, when this was going on, the topic that we're going to discuss today, but I do have some insight over it because it is a big news in Korea, even today. There are some um, news and stories here and there. So I hope right. I can provide some good insight to the yeah. listeners. Yep. So today's episode or tonight's episode actually is going to be over the Jijun Pa or Jijun family, Jijun sect, <clears throat> whichever way you prefer to um, call them. Either way, not, not a very good group of people. Uh, this episode was actually inspired to me by the Dark Side of Soul podcast. This was one of their first uh, episodes, and I think that it was actually their first true crime episode. So when Sean covered this, I decided that I wanted to go more in depth into it and learn more about it, because um, something about true crime over in South Korea just really um, piques my interest. So without further ado, we should just get into this and get started with um, the background on this group. Uh, the Chijonpa was formed by leader Kim Ki-hwan. Uh, he was 27 at the time, former inmate, former convict. Uh, when he was growing up, he was a very good student, but the problem was his family was not financially as well off as other families in Korea at the time, so he wasn't able to continue pursuing his education, which forced him around the time of middle school to drop out and start doing manual labor, like working in factories. Just and, to just to make mm-hmm. a point, um, at that time, this was a very common thing. A lot of students uh, wanted to drop out and go into manual labor because they thought higher education was not worth it. Like back during this era was yeah. not as um that create the Korean society was not as harsh on education as it is now right but uh, I think from what I saw he was actually um really into education but the problem was like his family just couldn't afford it and I'm sure that it was really expensive even back then to get into proper schools yeah even nowadays it's crazy how you know these hagwon you know, mm-hmm. the after-school tutoring, the, yeah. the costs are just crazy. Yeah, some of the best um, ones, yeah. um, some of the more you know, prestigious ones, I right. believe they go around what, at least like 3000 a month. Oh, and shit. Yeah, I, I, if, if I'm correct, or it might be more expensive, and I'm talking about one of the more um, popular ones, like Mega Study. Those of you in Korea, you guys probably know, like Mega Study. I think they're pretty up there, up high, and yeah, so it's always been an issue, I believe. Yeah, there's a big, like even today, there's a big um, rift, I guess is what you can say, in the education system and with the hierarchy of everything and for-profit, and uh, it showed even back then that this was a quite a big issue, so while he was doing this manual labor he was also like watching news on corruption and everything and he just looked at the world 
as, as completely unfair, which in a way, yeah, the world is unfair, but the way this guy goes about trying to uh, quote unquote exact his revenge is uh, definitely not recommended. So around this time that he decided that he was going to start committing crimes and exacting his revenge on the wealthier class, he was going around um, uh, poker games, rounding up other people who were prior convicts. They were None of them were of actual any relation, but they all had one thing in common. They felt like the world had done them dirty. So let's look here into the people that he rounded up. Gifan rounded up. They were all in their 20s, except for one that was uh, going to be a later victim who was actually 18, but passing himself off as 20. So do you want to read off their names? Yeah, so the leader's name is Kim Gihwan. There's Bun Sang-ruk, Kim Tong-un, Kang Hyun-yang, Bae Byung-uk, Kang bun sub and finally, the girlfriend of um, Tong-un, her name is Lee Kyung-suk, the only and female of this group. She was the only one in the group. So they formed together to decide that they were going to, um, like I said, exact revenge on the rich. And Gihuan decided that the name of this group was going to be Maskan. And he worded it as meaning ambition in Greek. Now, if you go online and try to find the meaning behind this to verify it, there's no word in the Greek language. Uh, the only thing that I could find that was close to that was an Arabic word that meant dwelling, roughly. So, yeah, that kind of lets you know their background there. So, all of these people, they already had prior convictions. They all did some form of labor work. Uh, they all had an intense hatred for anyone who was wealthy or showed any kind of wealth. So with this, Jijonpa was formed and they had a doctrine in this group. And do you want to read off this doctrine or do you want me to read it off? Yeah, so three of their more, I guess, core doctrine are one, we hate those with plenty of money. Second, a traitor of the group must be killed. And third, don't trust the movement, not even your own mother. Like, uh, they just have um, anything that can be messed up about a person. They pretty much had it going on there, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, if you don't trust your mother, like who who can you trust, right? I mean, what did I mean? What did his mom do? I mean, I don't have any background on his on Kifun's family, but I'm sure I'm sure they did their best with what they had during that time. He was just a big ball of anger. I think so. just these core doctrine such principles show mm -hmm. how twisted their mind was. Yeah. Yeah, because it seems like they just, they had a personal vendetta for the world. Oh, mm -hmm. we've got some other guests on here. We've got some pups. <laughs> so... With the doctor informed and this group ready to go, they had set out to gather about 1 billion won, which in 1993 would have been the equivalent then, I'm, I'm thinking it was then, of 
$25 million US dollars. So some people say that this was part of their doctrine was to gather that billion one. Other sources were saying that um, they were doing their manual labor jobs to gather up this amount of money so they could buy weapons like ammunition, explosives, um, swords, bayonets off of the black market. But either way, within several months of the group's formation, they had all of this lined up, ready to go. Uh, it even said that they were able to find a cattle prod. I'm glad that they didn't get their hands on all those, you know, dangerous weapons like ammunition and explosives. It could oh, no, have been much did. worse. Oh, they did? They, they did. That's the thing. They did. Oh, wow. They just... Um, I don't think they. I don't think a lot of sources go into big detail exactly on what they did with the victims. Um, now, some of them do go into some more graphic detail, but they did obtain all of this stuff: dynamite, cattle prod, swords. Um, they even got like cars to help them, you know, go back and forth from their hideout, which I saw somewhere said that it was like roughly 160 miles from Seoul. And that's pretty much the area of Seoul is what I'm gathering was like their focal point because the wealthy people like in Gangnam District and everything like that. Um, Did they so, ever use those dynamites that they bought? I've never heard anything about those. Oh, when it gets close to them being caught, uh, the dynamite's kind of what, kind of one of the uh, key factors. Oh, okay. I'll just learn as we go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, and I told you, um, pretty funny how they get caught. Oh, I remember now. Okay. Yeah. So, they obtained all of their um, all of their junk to do their evil deeds. Got the cars, got the guns, got the explosives. So now Kihon was taking these, essentially just young adults, up into the mountains trying to do training or something like they were some sort of secret agent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, you went to prison. You're not like part of the, like the CIA or whatever it is. Does Korea have a CIA or? Yeah, they have um, Kuk Jong-un. Kuk Jong-un, yeah, Kuk Jong-un is similar to CIA, I believe. It's, I believe. So um, essentially the case. KCIA. Yeah, like I believe they have to hide their identity and all. I mean, Korea also has a um, lot of special forces, if, if yeah, you're also they, curious about that. I knew that they had some special forces. I just didn't know if they had anything similar to like the FBI and the CIA because, I mean, that's kind of stupid of me to assume that they wouldn't, but <laughs> either way, this dude was acting like they were part of this elite secret group that was um, vigilante Robin Hood justice. So they would go up into the mountains. He would show them how to work with the explosives and train them in the art of kidnapping. And once they got them all together, and now that he's got them all trained and ready to go, uh, now it's time for them to go out and find a way to locate some rich people because nothing says I hate the world than picking on people that are completely irrelevant to the struggles that you're going through, right? <laughs> I mean... 
they're screwed up mindset. Very much so. But it just so happened that there was a very disgruntled employee that they were somehow acquainted with that had a list of, um, excuse me, over 1,200 names. And it was from this Hyundai garage. And it was a mailing list that had the names and the addresses of these people that would use like credit cards and stuff to like park their cars. And these were all luxury brand so luxury equals wealth wealth equals victim profile <clears throat> hey, so i have a question so the person mm -hmm. that gave out those um list of names uh -huh. did he or she knew that this list of names was going to be used for a bad intent i don't know if they knew that it was going to be murder but when you think about it when you sit there they knew that something not good had to come out of this. I mean, you'd, you'd have to be stupid not to. True, true, but. I think it was right. just a dude pissed, dude or girl pissed off at, you know, corporate greed They're over fired. in Korea. Yeah. Like, how dare you fire me that? Or they felt like they were being treated unfairly because it looks like that's a big problem over in Korea is like worth ethic issues. And I'm sure yeah. it was worse back then, too. Yep. Also another mm -hmm. topic that's very harsh in Korea. Very sensitive topic for a lot of people to, mm -hmm. yeah, hard pill to swallow. Yep. So with this list, they would look down and just essentially stalk these people, play a game of cat and mouse. Now, here's the funny thing. I don't know if they actually ever used that list, even though it was given to them. Because when you look into their victim clientele, that the, well, not really clientele, their victim profile, um, it didn't really fit what they were claiming that they were trying to get justice against. And without further ado, shall we get into the victims themselves? Of course, the most important part. Exactly. The first victim was actually an acquaintance of Gihuan's niece. Now, they didn't kill her, and this looks like it was just an act of Gihuan alone. Uh, he had assaulted her, raped her, and because of this, he ended up actually getting sent to prison shortly before, um, I think it was before the murder of this next victim it was either before this like during the time like before this next victim or after that victim for victim number three so he did go to prison for a little bit and you know if they had kept him there a little bit longer stuff like this probably could have been prevented so yeah had they kept him in prison longer then this could could have possibly have been prevented now you're gonna see that there have there was another time where this could have been prevented too but either way he gets out of prison goes right back to the gang and this brings us to july 18th 1993 this is around 11 o'clock at night and this victim uh she is just given the pseudonym uh miss Che. she was about 20 years old at the time 
and nowhere did she fit the profile of who they were trying to go after. She was just a simple farmer's daughter that didn't come from wealth, but Kihuan said that they needed a test subject to show his entourage as he was choking this woman that this is how you properly kill someone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Treated her like she was nothing and then tossed her to the side and she wasn't discovered until like the next day or a couple of days later by a villager that was trimming down the weeds and everything and that's when they discovered her. Now they would have never connected them to Miss Che's murder had it not been for them confessing after they had got caught so not too long after miss che is found killed the next victim happened to be one of their own now referring back to the doc uh, doctrine rule number two was even a traitor is to be killed right yeah so this victim was song <clears throat> excuse me song bong yes yeah, song uh, bong yeah, he was 18 at the time, but had a forged ID. And with his forged ID, he was pretending to be like his brother's age. And I think that was about 23 years old. Uh, he laundered about 3 million won from them. And that pissed off Gihuan. So traitors are to be murdered. That's in the doctrine. So they set out to find him. And you found some information about this victim and his murder, did you not? Yeah, so... Um, Song Bong-un was hiding in one of his family members' house and Ji Jong-pa, they came and came to him and said, hey, let's go to the mountains. Uh, let's sort this out and let's eat a dog. Let's eat some dogs and sort this out. So that's what they said. Oh, so, yeah, so Ji Jong-pa, they take him to the mountains and then hit him in the head with a brick. And then after that, when he fell unconscious, all the members took a, like a pickaxe and mutilated his body to the point where they were not able to identify him. But worst thing is even after when he was all mutilated, they burned him and then buried him in that mountain. It is just mind blowing how anyone could do this. I'm gonna need to take a shot after that because damn. <laughs> that um and he was just 18 like he was so he was just 18 years old barely an adult and they just brutally murdered him yeah crazy oh <sighs> god well but wasn't he also one of the um, yeah he was also a member at that so i mean yeah it like, damn, the method in which they murdered him is bad, but he was also a member of this group. But I don't know if he was, I don't know, because they only had, like, this one other victim and then Kihuan's niece. So I'm sure maybe there's some other murders that were going on that just didn't get any profile or they didn't admit to. It's hard telling. Okay. Um, but either way... Uh, there was a bit of a period where there wasn't anything associated with the gang, but um, 
Then we get into 1994. Uh, September 8th, they spot a couple driving this Hyundai Grandeur, uh, Grandeur or however you pronounce that. Yeah, Hyundai Grandeur is one of the, I mean, it was one of the more upper class sedan. Uh huh. I believe, yeah. Okay, so they see that and they're like, oh, these people must have some money. So we're just going to jump these fuckers and take what we think is rightfully ours. Well, the people that were in the car was a 34-year-old mission that a uh, musician that was referred to as under the alias as Daniel. And the woman was a 27-year-old cafe worker who was referred to as Sunny. Okay. So she was a 27-year-old cafe worker, and they referred to her as Sunny in the article that I was reading. Uh, Since this car was considered wealthy, of course, they ambushed them. And in this ambush, they're demanding money from them. But imagine to their dismay and how pissed off they were when they realized that this couple isn't driving a brand new Hyundai. Nope, it is a used car, an older used car at that and just like the scumbags that they are they decide to start torturing this couple they assault the woman they gang rape her then they get the man drunk to the point where he's blacking out and incoherent and while this man is drunk and incoherent i should also put into the fact that they were a couple um they tell her that she has to suffocate her boyfriend to death. And yes. uh, naturally, she's refusing and, and like, trying to get away and everything. But one of the members, they grab her, um, force her by hand to throw a plastic bag over this man's head and hold it there until he stops breathing. So once they were sure that he was dead... To get rid of the body, they put him back in the car, buckle him up, kind of make it look like he was driving while drunk, and shove the car off a cliff. And of course, when the car is found a few days later, the authorities do chalk that up to being a drunk driving incident. So. Kind of clever on their side, I guess, this I guess well, this was the most fuck baby scratch what I said. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I mean they were trying to cover their tracks. I get exactly what you mean. Cool. So they did decide to keep uh, Sunny hostage, though. So they took her back, and Lord knows what they were doing to her. Um, so after this. This incident happened on September 8th. They still had a bloodlust going on. They still wanted money. This is happening right before Chosak of all times. And this is going to be probably the most heartbreaking out of all of the victims. We have an older married couple. Uh, The man was a 42-year-old. He was known by Sue. Um, He had just it was said that he had just like bought a factory in Ulsan and the family resided outside of like right in Seoul or right outside of Seoul. Uh, his wife, they um, called her uh, Park. They were um, 
just cleaning the grave of a relative right before Chuseok on September 13th, 1994. And the group decided to ambush them. Now, because Sue had just bought this factory, they assumed, of course, once again, that he was a wealthy man. And, well, they assumed he was a wealthy man, and he was. So they demanded a ransom of 100 million won in cash. Now, Sue didn't have this type of money on him, but in order to save himself and his wife, he's begging them. He says, hey, I've got 80 million. I can have a worker bring it to me. I'll give it to you. Please just let us go. Don't hurt us. So they hold his wife as bait and send him off to go get that money. So he has a worker bring him that money and the only thing that he says to this worker as they're exchanging is, I've been kidnapped. So the worker, of course, worried about his boss, decides that he's going to go and make this report. So he goes um, to the Ulsan police and does the report. And what do you think the police tell him when he goes to file this report? I'm pretty sure police back then, I mean, not much different today, but they just brushed it off saying, yeah. oh, we'll do it later or something like that. Well, the information that he gave them had the money um, going to Guangzhou. So they said, oh, okay, well, this is a case that needs to go to the Guangzhou police because th this is happening down there. And so frustrating as it is, he goes to Guangzhou and reports it to them. And this is what really infuriates me because they treat it as a fake case that is wasting their time. I but hope I said, police officers got fired, whoever did that. Oh, you know they didn't. Yeah. I mean, this was in the 90s and um, it hadn't been too long. This was just like, what, like, 10 something years not even after um south korea became more of a democratic area because i, I know so that sorry but i'm probably the worst person you can ask about korean history <laughs> i know um i know joe and sean know a lot about it and they did an episode about the june struggle and they've just recently done Gwangju uprising so i'll have to like double check with them okay. um but yeah, it, it wasn't too long because uh, Guangzhou happened in the 80s, right? We know that, that it happened in the 80s. So I'm sure there was a lot of um, hesitation and a lot of like stress going on at this point. But still, damn. When I said earlier that this could have been stopped, like it straight up could have been stopped. Do you not agree? Yeah, so many times, like, it just baffles me that he was released to the public after the first incident with his acquaintance's um, niece. Niece, and I'm pretty yeah. sure that this was a minor, too. The niece was a minor. I don't wow. know for certain, but that just lets you know. I mean, even over here in the U.S., how lenient they are on, like, sexual assaults. 
Yeah. And it's, it's, whoo, it lights a fire under my ass. But anyway, back on to it. Now, Sue gets the money, gives it to, okay, okay. So Sue gets the money and gives it to Jijampa. And he was thinking that they were going to let him. Okay. And so, so Sue was hoping that they were going to let him go. You know, this is a holiday time and he's just trying his best to save both him and his wife. And this 80 million won was meant to pay the factory workers meant to um you know do maintenance on the factory and he's just trying to get him and his wife out of this mess but they had no intention of letting that couple get out of there alive so they took this girl that they had abducted remember the one from before the cafe worker they forced her to shoot this older gentleman right in the head. Even with her fighting back, they, they had another member grab her, hold her hand to the trigger, and kill him and kill the wife. And this is the part where the cannibalism comes into play because Chijumpa they're known as cannibals in south korea are they not yeah i read that from uh, here some resources they literally took this and it was quoted that they ate these victims with delight wow i just this this was so rough. How can you sit there? And this man begging for him and his wife's life and then literally, oh my God, that's not even the worst. Okay. Like literally, this is not even the worst of it. I don't think that I should go into exactly what they did because you can see the notes and it's stomach turning, is it not? It is. Like you would not want to eat certain foods ever again. Uh-huh. So that was their big apex, their climax, if you will. Now we get into the downfall of these motherfuckers. Just a few days later, three days later, September 16th, one of these dumbasses, and I do say dumbasses because they do not deserve any kind of respect, they were playing with explosives. And what do you think happens when you play with explosives? Kaboom. His hand went boom. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, karma is a bitch. So this fucker with his one brain cell in his head thinks that because he's taken a liking to this victim, the cafe worker, that he's going to take her to the hospital with him and even give her the phone and wallet that he had. 
this is all for okay so he gives her the phone he gives her the wallet and this is all for her benefit with much like i would be in a situation like this when he goes in to get checked out she thinks she's being tested like she thinks if she tries to book it and run that the rest of the chijampa are going to be down there waiting to get her but when adrenaline kicks in and you're in fight or flight mode you're going to do what you can to survive are you not Mm-hmm. so she books it out of there she's running she hails down a taxi cab and let me tell you when i get my first taste of freedom from something like that the last thing i want to hear is what this taxi cab driver said to her and do you want to know what it is that he said isn't it something about gangs yeah so she's trying to tell him Please help me. I've been abducted by this gang. He says, oh, I know a lot of gang members. Who are they? (laughs) Wow. My heart would sink to my asshole if I heard that. And I'm sure hers did too. Because she turns the other direction and she goes running. And she runs into a vineyard and hides in these grapevines for about eight hours before she thinks it's safe enough to call a rental car service with that phone because remember that this dude gave not just his phone but his wallet to her and so she takes a seven hour drive to get to Seoul and file a police report now when she goes to file this police report you remember how I told you with the final two victims, the older gentleman and his wife, how Mm -hmm. the police were not really believing what was going on. Okay, so how the police were not really believing what was going on with the prior victims there. You've got a woman running into a police station and she's all beat up, probably looks like hell because Lord knows what situation they put her through. She's probably not even been able to shower or anything. I have a question. Why did she have to go seven hours to get to a police station? Wasn't there a nearby police station that she could have gone to? I think she wanted to get as far away as possible because Um, I was, from what I remember, their base was like 160 miles from Seoul. So that's going to be quite a bit of a drive to get to Mm -hmm. Seoul. And, you know... Getting the hell away is my first priority. And plus, I think she thought the police in Seoul, because it was the capital, would be more apt to believe her. Oh, I see. Makes sense. Oh, mm-hmm. no. They didn't want to believe her at first. They thought she was on drugs. Oh, my gosh. But after some time and after some information that she gave them, they were putting two and two together because that couple that we talked about, since she is the, the second half of the couple... They were reported missing. And she just so happened to match the description of this woman. And she was giving details that the police had not even given the reporters. So then they're like, oh shit, she's telling the truth. So once they realize she's telling the truth, that's when they form up this SWAT team to go take down these entitled little bitches. Now, when they got caught, do you think they had any remorse? 
it is well known in Korea, like yeah, um, that Jijunpa family, they were a piece of trash and shit. Never admitted to the, their wrongdoings. Oh no, they tried to justify it. Mm-hmm. Even to the day of their execution, um, November 2nd, 95, they still said that they did nothing wrong and that their only regret was that they couldn't kill all the rich people because they should know what they've done. And I just want to sit there and think, you know, you definitely were given a low blow in life, but I'm just going to fucking say it. You are not entitled to any damn thing in life. As sucky as that sounds, there are a lot of people that deserve better in life that have been dealt some of the worst shit imaginable and they do not go around trying to murder people that have what they want Mm -hmm. so no like do not blame the victims because you've got a toxic mindset so after this came out um There was a lot of soul searching that had to be done within Korea and no pun intended on that. But this really was something that shocked the nation because it looks like this might've been one of the first things that um, introduced South Korea to, you know, serial killing and crime in general. And I'm sure around this time there, um, there were some people that were blaming it, you know, like on Americanized stuff. There were, um, some people that kind of wanted to blame the United States because there was another man around this time that had been studying in California and came back and had butchered. Okay. So around this time, this guy that had gone to California to study, he comes back and murders his parents with a pickaxe and butchers them. So this was a crime that just happened right in Korea. It wasn't like an outside source coming in and like poisoning the area. So it was, I don't even know how to properly word this because they were mad at the wealthy. So that is the story of Jijon Pa. And boy, is that a ride, is it not? For sure. I think, I think this was a real... Um, you know, shock to the whole nation, as you said, mm-hmm. because there never have been, I believe, I guess there have been some gruesome murders until Junpa right. incident, but not right. as something as, um, you know, serial and graphic and well, crazy. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, you had, um, you know, you had the June struggle and the Guangzhou massacre, but that was government civilian things. This was civilian attacking civilian type of crime i'm not sure if there has been any reported cannibal crimes and you think think this was like one of the only ones that was ever reported maybe not the only one but to this extreme yeah because i mean they took the hate like eat the rich quite literally to a new extreme yeah but that, like I said, that is the story of Jijunpa. I want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode and listening. And I want to thank um, Joe and Sean over at the Dark Side of Soul podcast for 
doing a cover on this and introducing me to this because it was very interesting. So you guys should definitely go give them a check out. They have an amazing podcast and I want to thank my boyfriend, Brian, for being on this episode tonight. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I really enjoyed and I <laughs> hope I didn't um, give too much gruesome details. Yeah, true crime community loves the gruesome stuff. They love to know. So until the next time, thank you guys for listening. <laughs>